welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Anna Doherty of Anna Gray Collection. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much, Allison. So excited to be here. Great. Um, For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. If you're just finding out about me, I just recently launched my um, outerwear brand, Anna Gray Collection. Um, It's ethically made here in New York City um, and from mostly local um, fabrics. So cool. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. Um, are you in New York City area yourself? Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Yes, I I live in New York City, and my factory is here in the garment district. So it's all right here, local to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super. That's super convenient. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, kind of backing up. Um, what is your, do you have a background in fashion or like what brought you into fashion? Yeah. So I, I've always loved fashion my whole entire life. Um, I learned how to sew when I was young. Um, but you know, when you're young, you, I, at least I didn't, I wasn't that interested in it. I wanted my clothes to come from the mall. Um, <laughs> so at first it wasn't like love at first. So, um, but Thankfully, as I got older um, and learned more about sewing, I got more into it and then ended up majoring in fashion design in college. Um, mm-hmm. And then once I graduated, uh, I've had a, a, a bit of a varied career. It's definitely not been a linear career path for me. Um, I feel like most people <laughs> aren't very linear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like the older I've gotten, the more people I've met that haven't had that linear path, which I don't know when you're in college, it just seems like, you know, everything should be laid out and straightforward and like, Oh, you become an assistant designer and then you become an associate designer and then you become a senior, you know, and it should be like very step-by-step, but my, my, my path has definitely not been, (laughs) I've worked Mm -hmm. in retail and I've worked in, um, commercial real estate and then, um, finally decided, you know, I really want to I really want to do fashion and I was living in North Carolina at the time and decided, you know, if I'm really wanting to give this a real go, then I need to, to move to New York and try to get some good experience. So I moved to New York, got a job um, for a couple um, outerwear and knitwear brands and um, actually worked in their wholesale team. Um, but it was also, yeah. So it was, not exactly what I was looking for when I moved to New York. I was thinking I was like, you know, maybe start as an assistant designer or something. Um, I didn't really think about sales until I met with um, another gal from my college who suggested thinking about sales because, you know, you get such a, I guess, broad portrait of the, of the business in general because you have to work mm-hmm. with all, all the different departments. Um, and, and that's what I found in that role. I, I learned so much and it was a small company. So I still got to work very closely with our senior designer. Um, so I definitely got some of that design experience that I was, I was initially really wanting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that the the sales experience was just invaluable for me to just understand how the whole industry works and the process and just like what goes into selling a garment. Um, so and was that sorry to interrupt you there, oh, but I want to kind of like dig into that a little more because. Yeah, I think kind of the, you know, we focus so much in design programs and school and just the general view of what a fashion design career looks like. It's about the design, but so much of running a business is about selling, you know, sales and business side. So um, what were maybe some things that you thought going into that role or like into fashion? And then kind of what were the biggest takeaways other than getting to work with you know, lots of different departments and seeing how the business side worked? Like, were there any specific kind of takeaways or things that you learned from that role about more the business and sales side of things? Yeah, I think I, well, I learned so much from that, from that role. Um, I, okay, let me just back up and think. Okay. Can you say the first part of the question again? Yeah. Like what were some maybe ideas or misconceptions you had going into the role and then what were some of the takeaways that you've since learned from that yeah well I think going into the role like I didn't really know what to expect but I I think there is a bit of a misconception that you know fashion in general is just this very glamorous um industry Mm -hmm. um and you know sales probably gives off a bit of that because you know you're traveling and you're meeting with clients and and these kinds of things but um there's a little bit of glam but there is a lot of grit that goes into it Mm -hmm. I would say mostly mostly grit um just you know carrying samples all over the city and all up and down the east coast um I just like having so many bags like I had no idea I I just didn't know because I think in, you know, in school, we, like you said, it's very design focused or merchandising. There's, I don't Mm -hmm. remember ever really talking very much about sales um, or very many other options beyond like a strict merchandising or designer type of role, Um, which is kind of unfortunate because there's so many different jobs within the industry. Um, so sales, this was just like, this was very eye-opening for me, um, because I just didn't know all, I I really didn't know much about wholesale and like the trade shows and, um, and how it all works and, you know, appointments and, and Mm -hmm. private label and development and like being able to work with your client and create something special for just for them. Um, we, my boss and I would, would do a lot of that in partnership with our designer. Um, but um, yeah, I just really didn't know um, much about like that whole side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting into this role, I, I mean, like I said, I learned, I just learned so much, but I think a couple of things stand out. One, just persistence is key. I know um, some other friends of mine um, who have just recently started brands. And I feel like had I not had this experience working in sales, I would also feel similarly. Whereas like 
following up with a supplier or following up with a factory feels very like, oh, am I going to annoy them? Mm -hmm. Um, But having worked in sales, that's the name of the game is just follow up, follow up, follow up. So I think for me, it was such good practice at sort of getting over that fear of like picking up the phone and calling someone multiple times if need be, or set like sending follow-up emails and not feeling like, Oh, I'm probably driving them crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if it needs, if that you, you have to do what you have to do to get, um, to get things done. And unfortunately, like sometimes people miss an email and sometimes people are busy. And, and so sometimes it takes that extra step of follow-up, which I think for me, just my personality, it was helpful to kind of have that training almost in sales. Yeah. Um, to sort of get over that, that fear. Um, I'm trying to think other things. It was just like, and also just, I think just knowing in terms of like how, I think just getting a perspective of like how hard sometimes it can be to make a sale has helped me in sort of like giving myself a bit more realistic projections um, Mm -hmm. for my own sales. And, um, especially since I did sell coats before. Um, so I think it, it, you know, at the time I was like, oh, geez, sales, this wasn't really what I wanted to do. But I think <laughs> now I'm like, wow, I'm really thankful for, you know, just that learning experience. And, you know, just, I got to really kind of almost like have a test run, um, yeah. in a lot of ways before branching out on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super good foundation. You know, like you said, you don't really learn that in school, but yeah. it's something that's like once you've had that practice, it's it is very invaluable. Yeah, to exactly. Kind of learn learn the business side and learn the sales side because absolutely, yeah, that's that's just as important yeah, as having a great product. Hundred percent, and just like you know, what goes into like shipping and like how one little delay can sort of set back everything. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if you're working with in wholesale, especially, um, you know, your customers may have very specific ship windows. And if you don't meet those deadlines, yeah. you know, that can be really problematic. So just kind of having that whole like knowledge of like the, the whole life cycle of, you know, how the product comes together and then how it gets to your customer is, has just been really something I've been thankful for. Mm-hmm, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, after that role, did you, um, it sounds like you've now kind of gone off on your own and, and your collection is, is it your full-time thing now? So or you still no. kind of have, have a, have that day job. ish. still have the day job. So, okay. um, I was working at, at the previous job we were just speaking about my sales job up until um, COVID, until the lockdown hit. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, like so many others, like our company closed down our New York office. And so I lost my job as so many did. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure, you know, like there just were not a lot of fashion jobs during, especially during 2020. I think a lot of- Yeah, so many people were furloughed or laid off. I mean, it was just like across the board. It was, it was just nuts. Um, So I kind of had to pivot um, and I was like, well, I need a job. So 
And I knew after a few months of um, not working, I was like, you know, I really, I've always wanted to start my own brand. And it felt like nothing was really moving in terms of the industry and like finding a job with, again, like within the fashion industry um, after that. So I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I, you know, if nobody else is going to hire me, I would hire me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. maybe it's just time to go ahead and like give this thing a real go. And my mom kind of said a similar thing. She was like, why don't you just go for it? Like, what do you have to lose kind of a thing? And so yeah, um, that's kind of when I decided to really try and start my brand. But at the same time I did, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I do need a day job. So I do, I'm still working, um, not in the industry, but just, um, an office job, um, to, to pay my bills. So it's not all on my, on my brand new business to, to yeah, <laughs> starting a fashion <laughs> brand during a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Laid off is, is kind city. of like yeah. I, I need a little extra support. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. And I think that's how I like how a lot of fashion brands get started too. Like it's really yeah. it's really hard to jump in and just like make it your full time yeah. thing right away. Because especially even you know I'm sure you know d- selling wholesale stuff. Like you're working so far ahead of when you yeah. actually are making money from the sales. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It takes some investment up front to get it going. It does. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the day job for the time being. Hopefully I'll get to the point where, you know, this can be my full-time gig, but Mm -hmm. we're we're not quite there yet. One step at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's only been two, two years really since you've launched then. Yeah. Well, actually I just, well, I've been working on the brand for probably about two years. And then okay. I actually just launched last month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's brand. It's like a very fresh, brand new baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited. So you worked in outerwear before, but is there a particular, like what kind of drew you to outerwear for your own collection was it just that you had the experience in it or were there other reasons too um well I was I think the experience was kind of gave me that like a little extra confidence that I was like okay I think I at least I understand how this works um Mm -hmm. but the reason I was like let's do outerwear is I just I love coats I love outerwear I love coats I love jackets that whole thing like if I that's, I mean, my closet has so many jackets and coats. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, and, and so it kind of started from just like a love and appreciation of, of coats and outerwear. I, while I was unemployed, I like had some extra fabric that I, that I found from years ago. And I was like, you know what, I need to do something. So I was like, let me just see if I, you know, maybe this would make a nice coat. So I made a coat and I was like, I really like this you know, like maybe, maybe there's something here, but then, you know, you make something and you're like, I don't know, do I just like it? Does anyone else like it? Mm -hmm. I was like, let me just like wear this out and about and see, and see if anyone else likes it. So I wore, I wore it, (laughs) it's kind of, kind of nuts. I wore it to Bergdorf Goodman and (laughs) I was just like, you know, let's just, let's see. And like three different salespeople stopped me and were like, where'd you get this coat? Like, wow, I, I love this. And I was like, wait, really? And like three different people that never happens to me. So I was like, okay, like maybe, 
maybe I'm onto something here. And then two other people on the street that day. So it was like five people in one day, which again, especially in New York, that just doesn't happen to me. Like strangers, you know, coming to talk to me. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. Um, and then I found some other extra fabric. And like I said, I had the time. So I was like, let me just see if I can design some more coats. And I, and it just came pretty naturally. I made like five or six more coats that winter. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, let me just, let me just try this. Like, I really like it. I like these coats. I feel strongly about them, but I also, I, I haven't seen a lot of, um, outerwear in the like ethical, sustainable realm. Um, I know there are a few brands, but I haven't, it's, it, it seems like, okay, this might be a good sort of like foot in the door type mm-hmm. of starting point because eventually I would like to grow it into a complete collection but as a starting point I thought you know what I'm going to start with something that I really love and feel strongly about and then we'll just see how it grows from there so is is that coat you wore that day is it one of the ones in your first collection <sighs> unfortunately it's not um it's a the fabric for that coat is so special and I haven't been able to find anything yet that Mm. I feel like is close enough or is like kind of tells the same story as that fabric. And so I was really disappointed at first. It's like, I can't find this. And, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to save it until I find the right fabric. When I find the right fabric, then I will make it. It doesn't have to be made right away. Um, I would have loved to have it in my first collection, but, um, yeah, until I find that fabric, I'm going to hold off because it's just like, I think the fabric is, is part is a lot of what makes that coat. So, yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, ask you about is, is your fabric. So I think part of what makes a really great coat, and mm-hmm. I'm also like a huge fan of especially wool coats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they're one of my favorite things to make. Um, And it's like the material is and is like part of what makes it so cool and like Mm -hmm. and luxurious. Um, And so how do you go about like finding the the perfect fabrics and what kind of fabrics are you working with? Yeah, Um, I love to hear you say that because I just I love fabric. I'm sure you do, too. It's just like. Mm -hmm. As like a fashion person, I just like, I feel like I'm a fabric nerd. I just love it. Like if I see it, I have to touch it anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. <laughs> but, um, so my fabrics for this first collection, I am using almost exclusively hundred percent wool. I think there uh, mm-hmm. one fabric is 95% wool, 5% camel hair. Um, but it's almost ex- like I said, almost exclusively hundred percent wool. Um, one of the fabrics that I'm really excited about, it's a beautiful, um, almost bluish charcoal combined, um, herringbone. I found it, um, it's actually comes from a mill in Connecticut called American Woolen. Um, and they sent me some, I requested some swatches and they had such beautiful, beautiful fabrics. So I was like, I definitely have to use something from them. And then I had been looking for a herringbone and this, this particular um, one just like stuck with me. And I was like, I think this just has to be it. You know, you see it and you're just like, this is the fabric. So 
Um, so that's the one it came from, I said, like I said, um, American Woolen in Connecticut. Um, and then my other two styles um, are a more, I would say, classic, um, like melton broadcloth type of wool, um, solid black and solid camel. And those I sourced from a supplier here in the city. Um, they do some dead stock wool um, as well as they do run some wool, but the the two that I ended up with um, were, I found out after the fact that they were also made in the US, which I was very surprised about because I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really intend to like source American made wool, but I thought, you know what, this is actually kind of cool. It's all coming together, like very local. I kind of love that mm-hmm. about it. Um, so that- yeah, because there isn't too many no. mills in the U.S., especially wool ones. There really aren't. They're kind of a like an endangered species. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that kind of blew me away. I was like, I was, I was very excited to hear that. Um, so I think that adds like a little special element also. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, when you when you're working on um, this collection, kind of what inspired the collection, and even you know what fabrics you used for it, like yeah. kind of describe what does your design process look like? Yeah. So my design process kind of varies, but for this collection, um, I like it. It really depends. For this collection, I. I would say I would find the fabric and then sort of like play with the fabric, get an idea and then sketch it and then um, make the patterns and sew it. Cause I made my um, patterns. I made my prototype initially. Um, and that all that whole process of like, from just playing with the fabric to sketching to pattern making to sewing, I feel like all of it contributes to the design process for me because I've never I've never been just one to be like, oh, let me just sketch this out and then I'm done. I really like to mm-hmm. kind of feel it, play with it, make sure it works in um, like 3D as well as on the page. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for I'd say I'm trying to think, mo- yeah, all of the styles that I currently have for sale, um, that was kind of the order of, of how I came up with the designs. It was like, I would play with the fabric, then I would get it in my head, draw it out, and then start putting it together. Um, And as I was sort of like putting these designs together and trying to like get the I didn't necessarily have the inspiration or like the story behind it until um, I'd been working on it for a little while. Um, so the collection is called Wood Hill. It's named after the street I grew up on um, as a child. And it's, it kind of hit me after I was like, it just came to me um, that I was like, okay, this is going to be like, I'm going to call it Wood Hill. Like that's the name of this, this um, collection. And then it made so much sense because I was designing it during a pandemic and like the idea of home really sort of runs through this collection, which is just kind of funny to look back on because it wasn't like a conscious thing, but Mm -hmm. having designed it at home during the pandemic where we couldn't 
leave home, um, it kind of just all sort of clicked and came together, which I was really excited about. But that whole idea of like belonging and safety and warmth and being around loved ones, um, that is really kind of the theme of this first collection and why it's named Wood Hill, because that's, those are the feelings and those are the things that I associate with that place um, and that time in my life. Um, and then each coat, so I have three coats for sale um, on my website and each coat is named after a significant woman in my life. And again, those names sort of came after I put the coat together. And then I was like, oh, wait, this, this person, like one of them, is, well, two of them are named after my grandmothers, but it's funny because each coat, I feel like does exude their personality, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I was really happy about how it all came together, but it was kind of interesting. The coats came first and then the story and the inspiration, so to speak, um, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of came to me after, after the codes did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And how, like, just seeing how different people work in the creative process. And yeah. So like, what, if, if it wasn't kind of like a clear inspiration or like sketch to begin with, like, Mm -hmm. um, what did kind of inspire the different like design elements or even like the shape of the coats themselves? Was it just the fabrics and seeing how they draped and how they looked? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fabric, um, the fabric played a very large role in the creation of the coats. Um, even though the original fabric that I was working with for the prototypes was not the final fabric. Um, mm-hmm. It did it, it did allow me to sort of get to that place where it, it sounds so weird to say, but sort of found the coat within the fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel, I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like such a weirdo. No, um, no, I totally get it. I, yeah. I have some fabric sitting on my shelf where I haven't made anything with them yet because like, they haven't yeah. found their, their exactly. theme yet. Exactly. It hasn't told you what it wants to be yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, yeah. So for instance, um, one of my coats is, uh, it's a shawl collar, long coat, and it's got a pleat in the back. Um, so it's a bit more tailored in the front, but the back is a bit more fun and like sort of glamorous. It's like a little Mm -hmm. bit um, extra in the back. Um, And that, the fabric that I was originally using for that definitely helped me get to that point. Um, But I think going into that one, I knew I wanted to try something different. Previously, like the, I wanna say the two coats I designed before that, I did like very large exaggerated collars and on that code, I, I for some I had, I had also just seen, um, uh, it was President Biden's inauguration, and I had seen mm, some, there were a lot of good coats there. Yeah, there were a lot of good coats, so I was getting a lot of inspiration. And I can't remember who was wearing this one particular coat, but I loved this like very slim, very like sophisticated, classy looking um, 
shawl collar. And I hadn't seen anything like that. It felt like in a really long time, like it seemed like everything I had been seeing was like these, these very large, dramatic, super fun. I love um, collars, but just this, for some reason, the slim um, shawl collar really stuck out to me. And I was like, I really want to like design a coat around a similar collar. So that piece sort of came to me. And then um, I think, oh, I think I was just like looking around at some of my mom's coats because I was at my parents' house during this time. And um, she had this great coat that had these beautiful pockets. And I was like, okay, like, let me try something different. I haven't done a welt pocket in like so long, probably since college. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me just like try this out. So it was a, kind of like a lot of trial and error. It honestly, that coat in particular wasn't um, a very, I don't, I don't know what the word is, like a very streamlined or a very um, pretty inspirational process. It was a lot of like, Ooh, let's just try this and see if it works. And if it didn't, then I try something else. And then finally landed on the design that I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and, and the thing is, it's like, it's different for each coat because one of the other coats, I just kind of had the idea. I got, I knew like, unfortunately one of the ones that I didn't end up making yet. Um, but the, the sleeves on, I had, it has like puff sleeves and I just, I, I'd seen that on another coat. I think my grandmother's coat was actually the inspiration for that one. I just was like, wow, these like dramatic sleeves are so much fun. Like what else could I do, um, with this coat? And so then I put like the exaggerated collar and like a bit like more relaxed fit and that sort of thing. So it was a, it was quite different than, than hers, but the sleeves were kind of like the precipice for that coat. Um, Mm -hmm. so it really kind of depends. Each coat is, has been different for me on like what particularly sort of kicks it off. Um, but a lot of times it's like one little element and then I kind of play around with it or run with it and, and see where it takes me. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Letting, letting the materials kind of speak and and see you you know let, kind of let the coat evolve from yeah. it um yeah that's really cool yeah um so we're so you were doing the design and the pattern making and the samples so then when it came to production are you also like making the production yourself no actually i um i found a factory here in new york city in the garment district Um, It's a woman-owned factory and she's been amazing to work with so far Um, and just like very helpful, very supportive of a brand new brand um, Mm -hmm. and also willing to work with um, my, my request for low units, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which for me was key um, to start off with. I just, I knew First of all, I don't have, you know, a ton of space to store extra product. And I also like, I don't want to be creating product just to sell product that Mm -hmm. isn't ready to be sold. So I really wanted to, to keep it tight and, um, you know, produce enough to sell, but, and, you know, some of these factories have very high minimums and I just knew it wasn't going to work. Um, for the, especially for a first run. So I'm really excited about, um, the factory I'm partnering with. She's been really helpful and just very gracious in, in giving me pointers and, um, ideas in terms of like sourcing and that sort of thing. So very excited. 
Yeah, that's super amazing. So I think one of the things, like it's always a challenge for new brands and even like existing established brands of finding the right factory that has the expertise to sew what the product is. And, you know, it's just the right fit communication-wise, location, pricing, minimums, all of that. Um, So how did you end up getting in contact with this factory? It sounds like they're a really great fit for for your brand. So far they have been. So hopefully that'll continue. Yeah, um, I think so too. I actually um, joined an accelerator program last year. Um, and which has been very helpful in terms of just like helping me know what I need to work on at what point. Mm -hmm. Um, and thankfully that program had a database of, um, uh, factories. Um, and so that's where I started. I just started like contacting people on that list and some of them I knew right away were not a fit and I knew I wanted to try as much as possible to keep it within the city, um, or in New York city. And, um, and so that kind of ruled out like, you know, a portion of the list. And then, um, I did have a factory that I, I found through another friend and, and it really seemed like a great option as well. But what came down to, for me was that this particular factory that I went with, um, was a bit closer and, since I'm working um, full-time outside of my brand, it just seemed like it would be a little bit easier in terms of logistics. So Mm -hmm. um, that's how I found my brand um, through the program that I, that I joined, which was um, really helpful. You mind if I ask what program, what accelerated program did you No, I don't mind at all. Um, It's called Factory 45. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really with them. I'm actually doing it. I think you might be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm actually doing an Instagram live with Shannon tomorrow. Oh, amazing. Okay, yeah. very cool. That's great timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard several of my clients and a lot of my podcast guests have been through the program and really liked it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's I I can't say enough positive things about it. I it's just been so helpful. Shannon's been awesome. Just they there's so many resources. Um that they give you and that are there that you can take advantage of that. I, yeah, I I also working full-time, I'm like, I don't know if I would have been able to stay on pace had I not joined the program like Factory 45. So I'm very thankful. It was a great experience. Yeah, that kind of accountability of yeah. Here's what to work on this week. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're when you're working on a project for yourself where you're like the boss, it it can be hard sometimes to be like, yeah. Like, what am I doing this week? Nobody's telling me what to do. Exactly. So like, exactly. what's the priority? What do I need to do? Exactly. And then yeah. just like, I'm sure you like, as, as you have your own business, like, there's just, so mm-hmm. you have so many questions and you're just like, I don't even know. Um, and what, like, I don't even know who to ask or what to ask. And, and thankfully like this program pairs you with um, a mentor who's also just been such a valuable resource for me that um, just to be able to ask these like, fashion industry specific related questions that maybe mm-hmm. some of my other entrepreneur friends and, and um, contacts maybe just won't totally understand because the fashion mm-hmm. industry can be like a totally different ball game sometimes. So yeah. 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 So it's been very helpful. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. 
I, I always love it how, um, like, despite the fashion industry as a whole being kind of the stereotype of competitive and like secretive um I've always found that like the small businesses and like the sustainable and ethical businesses tend to be really open and and like encouraging and supportive Mm -hmm. of each other yeah I totally agree I totally agree and I it's been so refreshing because having worked you know in in the industry for other brands I've definitely seen the other side Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's definitely there, but I feel like in the small brand world, and also in, like you said, the sustainable ethical space, people are just so willing to help and share resources and share their knowledge and their experience. Um, and I'm not to say that the rest of the industry isn't like that. I think maybe sometimes there's, you know, some people that are just louder than others that kind of like yeah. should be a bad rap. Um, exactly. Yeah. But I think there's definitely a lot of people within the industry that are also willing to help. Um, I just, rem- I remember when I was like, when I first moved to the city and I was trying to just find a job and get started, how many people were just willing to take, you know, like an informational in- interview just to sit down and have a coffee and, and chat about what I wanted to do and mm-hmm. try to like connect me with someone. So I think mm-hmm. most of the time people are in general more willing to help than we think initially. Yeah, I think so too. It's like just ask. People are often yeah. yeah. The worst they can say is no and probably get exactly. busy, but you know, most of the time they'll say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious too, you know, we're talking a little bit about sustainable and ethical brands, and I know you you would uh described your collection as ethical um, when you were kind of introducing it. Um, can you talk a little bit more about kind of what what values are important to your brand or you specifically in growing this business and and yeah, like you know, I'm I'm is made in the USA one of them, you know, since you are very local. Yeah. Um, yeah, talk a little bit more about kind of what what your brand values are. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think for me, I I think I aspire to be a sustainable brand. I also think that you know a total sustainable brand is is not really uh, possible because we're making mm-hmm. product and it's not like our product is not going to last forever. Um, so I just like the the names like I'm very hesitant to label myself as a sustainable brand because I always I also always feel like there's so much more that you could be doing um, but I think it's something I aspire to so um, I think that's really important I think in that vein just using um, my resources my fabric my notions to as them in the most non-wasteful way possible so I'm trying to implement different ways to kind of do the zero waste, like create something else from the scraps um, mm-hmm. and not just throw it away. Um, I think that's really important. And then I think creating product um, in an ethical manner is extremely important to me. I've been um, surprised by how many people, even people in my own family who didn't realize that like clothing is going to be made by 
like somebody, some person is making your clothing, Mm -hmm. like period. Um, Mm -hmm. I I remember I had a conversation with someone in my family who said something like, well, I thought they were machines. And I was like, yes, but somebody's operating those machines. Yeah. It's not a robot. Yeah. It's not like a machine pushing the fabric through. That's a human being that's pushing it through. That's sewing it. Um, and I think that part is so, so important to me because I just like, we all have value as human beings. And I, I just want to make sure that my product is being made by people that are being treated as such, um, Mm -hmm. with value and with, you know, um, respect and in a place that is healthy and safe. Um, so that's very important to me. Um, the made in the USA, I didn't set out for that to be a value of my brand. Not that I didn't want it to be. Um, it just wasn't necessarily like a goal because I also Mm -hmm. realize it's, it's hard to make things in the U S it's expensive and there's, there's not a lot of resources for it. So I I was so surprised, pleasantly surprised to find material that was made here, but I just Mm -hmm. didn't expect that to be the case. Um, so I didn't set out for that to be like a a core value. Um, I, I, I appreciate it, but I also feel like, I think sometimes we think that the made in the USA sort of ensures that things are made ethically or things are made, you know, in a, um, in a good, for lack of a better term, way. Um, but that isn't always the case. And so I think for me, the ethical part is is the most important um, sort of like label or value. Um, and then, you know, everything sort of else falls into place. Um, personally, I feel like if you're making, you know, recycled polyester and recycled cotton or like, you know, these like sustainable type of, um, fabrics, um, but you're making them, you're the people making them are not being treated the way they should be or being paid a fair wage. I think that is problematic. (laughs) So for me, I'm like, let's treat our people right. And then like, let's try to get these materials to be as sustainable as possible. And then like, if we can do it here and support the local economy, I love that. That's amazing and great. Um, and right now it makes the most sense for me to be so local because by minute, by, you know, the minimums are more flexible. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really be able to, to do the, um, the units that I'm doing. If I did them overseas, like the, the minimums are just so much higher overseas, um, a lot of times. And so, and then also with all the sort of residual COVID effects of the supply chain, it's just a lot less stressful for me to have everything made close by and not have to deal with shipping delays and, um, and that whole sort of thing, just, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like a a baby brand launching into the world, I'm like, okay, let's try and make things a little, a little more smoother or as as smooth as possible because there's going to be potholes and roadblocks. So if I can try and keep it as smooth as I can, then, um, that's what I'm going to do. And so thankfully it's worked out like that so far. So we'll see as, as we grow, how things progress, but I would 
if I ranked them, I would say ethically sustainable. And then, you know, um, if we can keep making them here, then I would love that also. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's, it's super like you're in the position being in New York City that like mm -hmm. you can find a lot of things close to you, which yeah. is super convenient. Like you said, you can go visit the factories, see that, you know, the people working there are being treated fairly and paid fairly and go, you know, pick up the inventory and not only shipping times, but shipping costs and the environmental impact of, you know, transportation is yeah. cut down too, which exactly. is, exactly. yeah, that's, that's nice to have that, the opportunity to work with local people when you can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited about it. And I, I think it is important to support your local economy and your local, um, you know, fellow business people that are, that are trying to do, you know, they're trying to make a living also, so we can help each other out and support each other. I'm definitely here for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what is one thing that you are most proud of so far in launching your collection? Oh man. Um, I think just merely launching has been such a surreal experience for me because it's something I've dreamed about for so long that just like pressing that live button on my website was I'm very proud of because I was yeah, you the night be. before I launched it. Thank you. The night before I launched it, I was a disaster. I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was literally just like on the edge of a panic attack. Like, why did I think this was a good idea? What am I doing? Um, and so I think just, I mean, I hate I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but I think just like doing no, it. That's a great answer. <laughs> pressing live. I'm like, okay, I did it. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll see how it goes from there. But um yeah, that that took a lot. I was I was a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has it been better like since long, like after you did it, where you're like, okay, I'm glad I did. Yes, yes. It I mean, like probably by the end of that night, that day. I like kind of, or at least by the next day, I sort of like floated back down to earth a little bit. And I was like, okay, my feet are back down on earth. I can, I can sort of be a normal person again. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I did this. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, it felt very vulnerable putting my brand out there. And um, it felt like such a personal thing. I kept telling people, I like, I feel like I've just like left my diary out on a park bench and the whole world can read it. <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, so since that point, I definitely feel much better, feel like, um, okay, this is happening. We're going to do this. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a roller coaster, but I overall a great experience. So what helped you, or was there anything that like helped you get over that fear of like, this is really vulnerable to launch this collection because you're not the only person who's who's like brought that up about like that fear of putting yeah. things out there okay good I'm glad I'm not the only one because oh man I was I think it just it I had heard people talk about it but I was like okay like are we being dramatic and I can be a pretty dramatic person so I was like maybe we're all just being dramatic and then like it hit <laughs> me and I was like no we're not we're not this is this is legitimately like terrifying um and I think, I mean, I, I 
talked a lot to my family the night before my parents had been so supportive. Um, and they, you know, they, they're just like, listen, like you've come so far. It's, you can't you just, you just, Hey, it's go time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a lot of family and friend support that really helped, but I think also just like thinking about how far I'd come from just like having this idea and, or from even just making my first coat, you know, while I was unemployed, no end in sight, you know, and just like, what am I doing? And then to the point where I had a, an actual website and samples and, um, you know, this upcoming presale and, and all these things that I just, it had been so, such a long process and so much work. It was kind of like, I can't just not do this. I've come way too far to just stop. So, Mm -hmm. um, I would say it was kind of a combo of, of that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Just realizing you're, you're so close. Yeah. You're so close and you just, sometimes you just have to like make yourself jump, you know, and just like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You already have have worked on it and put it all together. And yeah, I know. I said to to one of my friends at one point that day, I was like, the day that I launched, I was like, I don't know what I'm more scared of people not buying my coats or people buying my coats. Yeah. So irrational, but I'm like, this is just, I just don't even know, but you just have to kind of, if you've gotten that far, you just have to be like, okay, we're doing this. Like mm-hmm. it has to happen. Just drum up that last bit of courage and, and go for it. Because like you said, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats on getting over all that and actually making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so what's next for Anna Gray Collection? Do you have plans for new coats or kind of, yeah, what's the plan from here? That's a great question. I, so I'm currently, I'm currently in production for my fall collections, first Woodhill fall collection. Um, so those should be done by the end of the month or beginning of November. So it should be shipping in November. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's like the, the immediate what's next is going to be the shipping. Um, and then I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do a small spring collection of light jackets. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I probably will do at least a couple of styles, um, I had thought about a couple different things. Like maybe I should do it different. Like maybe I should do dresses or something like that. But I think for right now, I'm going to stick to my category and, um, and really like hone in on it. And, and so maybe do, like I said, like a, like a very small, um, collection for spring and then focus on, on fall for next year, because as we all know, fall coats is, a bigger the bigger season yeah Yeah. this is a bigger season that's the that's the real deal so Mm -hmm. um but I think it would be kind of nice to have some continuity um and to Mm -hmm. follow up so that though I would say that's probably going to be the next the next step um if not spring definitely definitely next fall so that, that would be the next 
the next step we'll see oh my goodness it's hard to even like once you like just started it's like or once you finally launch it's hard to like even think oh wait I have to keep going like there's <laughs> going to be more seasons beyond this so I have to keep reminding myself of that I mean I have some ideas but it's like also I you know as like an entrepreneur you're trying to think of like in advance but also you have to focus on what you absolutely have to get done today and then this week and so it's like wow this yeah is a whole new way of thinking like you're just literally yep. thinking all like, the time <laughs> Yep, it's like troubleshoot what's happening today, mm-hmm. work on production for the current season, yeah. design ahead for the season after that, exactly. and shipping the season prior. Right, right. right. Yeah, it's like exactly. things in simultaneous mm-hmm. development or production or sales all yeah. happening at once. Always. Yeah. Yeah. But it keeps things interesting. So mm-hmm. you know, never boring, which I love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, So I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world to the coats you design, what would it be? I love that. Um, Okay, one value. I think I would want them to, I would want them to communicate belonging. I Mm. think um, when I think of a coat, it's almost like, like when you have a really good coat, it's almost like putting on a hug or like, mm-hmm. you know, like it, yeah. it's there, it's warm, it's support. It's like, it's keeping you, you know, safe from the elements. Um, it feels And it looks good. fabulous. Yeah. And you look fabulous. So it's like an instant, like confidence boost. Um, and I feel like when you, you know, feel feel that sense of belonging, whether in your in a group setting in work or wherever you find yourself in life, it gives you that little extra confidence to, to do what you need to do and, and, or to, you know, step out and pursue your dreams. So mm-hmm. I think that would, that would be what I would want my coats to translate. Also fashion can be so exclusive. And I just feel like it doesn't have to be that way. Everyone can participate. Everyone does participate in fashion. We all, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, we're wearing clothes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, yeah, I want my coats to be that inclusive belonging um, type of a feeling. I love that. And yeah, I've, I've also described coats as it's like a hug, but oh, looks so okay. great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it is, it's like, who doesn't want to be wrapped in something warm and cozy that looks amazing? So Exactly, exactly. They're the yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, this has been um, so fun to talk to you and hear more about your story and the how Anna Gray Collection all came together. Um, where can people find out more about the brand and see the coats online? Absolutely. So my website is annagraycollection.com that's gray with an a um <laughs> and uh you can also find me on instagram annagraycollect at annagraycollection on facebook annagraycollection um and yeah please come check us out enjoy awesome i'll include links to those in the show notes and yeah this has been great thanks for joining me today oh my gosh this was so much fun allison thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed this oh good that's all for today thanks for listening 
I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.